Nice to be with you. May I be of the first to say good afternoon. I hope it's been a great day so far, and we've got a great rest of the afternoon and day ahead with you, and we're glad to be here. If you can't be here always noon to 2, you can always be with us on thegreatvoice.com. Get our podcast, individual interviews, or the whole show at thegreatvoice.com. Well, the breaking news is that United States Representative Dan Kildee, the Flint area Democrat whose family has represented Michigan in Congress since 1977, announcing just minutes ago that he will not seek re-election to the United States House of Representatives. I'm reading a story from Melissa Nan Burke from the Detroit News with this breaking story. Dan Kildee's retirement will present an opening for House Republicans to try to flip his highly competitive seat in Michigan's 8th District that covers Genesee, Bay, and Saginaw counties and portions of Midland County. Cook political report promptly shifted the seat from Lean's Democrat to now a toss-up. And Dan said, quote, for most of the year, I saw myself continuing to serve. And uh, the story just went away, which is why I don't generally trust what they always tell me to trust. Read it off the computer. Here it's back. For most of the year, I saw myself continuing to serve and was actively planning another campaign. But there are times in all our lives that make you reassess your future and path. For me, being diagnosed with cancer earlier this year was one of those moments, no doubt. Thankfully, earlier this year, I had successful surgery and I am cancer free, end of quote. Uh, said uh, Representative Kildee in this statement. He goes on to say, but after spending time with my wife, children, and grandchildren and contemplating our future, the time has come for me to step back from public office. Running for office ultimately is a personal decision first, and this was not an easy decision to make, but I know it's the right one for me and my family. Dan is the nephew of the late U.S. Representative Dale Kildee, who spent 36 years in Congress and whom Dan succeeded in 2013. We reported at the time that Dan Kildee underwent surgery in April to remove a small cancerous tumor in his tonsil during a procedure at the George Washington University Hospital. It followed his diagnosis a month earlier with another uh, carcinoma, which the congressman said was serious but curable. His re-election last fall was considered the toughest campaign of his career as he sought a sixth term in office and defeated Republican Paul Young 53 to 43%. The newly drawn district still favors Democrats but is more competitive since redistricting has been a top target for Republicans. They now have a a better chance with uh, the highly regarded Michigan Representative Dan Kildee uh, deciding not to run for re-election. We hope he's fine. We hope everything works out for him. The other news uh, in terms of uh, politics is the Oakland County Executive, Dave Coulter, has indeed filed for re-election with the Oakland County Clerk, officially announcing his campaign uh, yesterday morning for a second full term. We'll speak with both of these gentlemen when the opportunity arises And we'll look forward to that, having had them on the show a number of times over the years. Meanwhile, we have tickets again for A Christmas Carol, playing Meadowbrook Theater, November 17th through December 24th. Mr. Rieger, producer, sir, we used to, because I I know I I played the the bad guy. Um, Are we doing those anymore on the radio? Any of those special Christmas? uh, Are you guys all overworked and spread too thin to be able to do it anymore? 
I don't know anything about uh, any Christmas carol that we'll be playing. Uh, we they, we've done stuff in the past uh, with like um, War of the Worlds. I don't yeah. know if and we did uh, it I'm, Christmas. I'm not, yeah, not sure if that's happening or not. I have to check with uh, the people that uh, put that together. Well, I know that uh, everybody is working their fannies off. I know that for sure. So uh, maybe this year they won't be able to do it, but we we hope so. They they've always done a great job, and it gets a lot of people involved that people don't know that are a part of the team, the team, the team in the background, and it's a lot of fun. Meanwhile, here's what else is going on. So here you get, I'm now hearing a number of anywhere from 250 to 300,000 peaceful pro-Israel demonstrators there in Washington, D.C. Okay, we're all familiar with it. It was thousands and thousands and thousands. I said, well, it's more than tens of thousands. Uh, it looked like a hundred or two hundred thousand. Now they're saying it could have been three hundred thousand. But here's the key: let's say two hundred thousand of these pro-Israel demonstrators, and not one problem reported. You get two hundred pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas demonstrators in Washington outside the Democrat National Committee building, and it's anything but peaceful. And there, my friends, is a lesson in the reality of the two sides involved in this controversy. You couldn't ask for a better example. 200 pro-Hamas demonstrators, anything but peaceful, at least six officers, hurt after this violent anti-Israel protest. It sums it up. You don't have to look. You don't have to search. They handed it to you to know the difference between all the folks. All right, a lot being said about our president with their president, with the visit of Xi and President Joe Biden's. We've got our expert, Tom Watkins, who has spent more time in China than anybody I know. And he's got, I'm sure, lots to say about this meeting. I I can tell you that Xi said a few things when you consider that After they had their hoity-toity lunch together, there was a dinner with the whole group planned. Did you hear where she went instead? I did not. Well, he decided to go have dinner with people with lots of money that he could benefit his country with, like Elon Musk. He went to dinner with Elon Musk and guys like that excusing himself from the dinner with all the world leaders because he doesn't care about any world leaders because he knows where he's headed. He's headed to lead the world. But he'll need people like Elon Musk and other rich people to do that. So that's where he went to dinner last night. Isn't that funny? I think it's funny. So he went with all the big tech guys. Yeah. Come all this way to meet with the president and the other leaders of the free world and then to diss them all to take the money and run. I would have loved to heard that meeting. I would love it if Elon Musk said, well, all right, well, we'll do this, but you have to stop doing that, and you have to stop today the fentanyl train coming into our country. Don't give me this, we're going to cut back or we're going to look at it or whatever. I need you to say right now that you're going to get rid of that and it's going to stop coming into our country now. You know, like the president should have but did not, because I am assuming now that China has as much on the Biden family syndicate as anybody else. 
And so just like with Iran, he's got to keep giving them billions of dollars for humanitarian reasons, of course, and uh, because he doesn't want them to speak up on how much money his son made from them. If somebody's got a better excuse or explanation, I'm all ears, like, uh, well, like King Charles, matter of fact. We don't hear from King Charles very much anymore. Have you noticed that? I have noticed that. Every once in a while he pops up, but not much. Not much? No, no. So uh, Starbucks workers, did they actually go out on strike today? They were supposed to for Red Cup Day. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Largest stoppage in the company history. And the cool thing is that a lot of people found out you can actually get a cup of coffee for a lot less than 5 6 10 $12. This will be an eye-opening experience for a whole bunch of people. What? Coffee doesn't cost seven fifty. Doesn't cost $12 a cup of coffee? Are you kidding me? This could change everything. All right, lots to talk about on another beautiful Thursday, November 16th, Focus with Paul W. Smith. All righty, let's uh, talk about the president and uh, the premier, or president if you want, whatever we call G, other than the enemy. Let's uh, check in with Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor Kristen Goodwin. Um, I know that you were in, maybe you still are, in San Francisco. Good afternoon. (laughs) Welcome to the Paul W. Smith Show. Thanks for having me. Yes, I am still in San Francisco. And how's it going there now? What's happening? Yeah, I mean, so the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit, APEC Economic Leaders Week, and President Biden's meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping, the main focus, the two leaders uh, meeting for the first time in a year on the sidelines of APEC. They met for four hours, aiming to shore up ties and ease tensions on a range of issues, after a pretty rocky year, and it seems the two leaders made good on smoothing out those ties, the takeaways from the meeting. They established an anti-drug cooperation unit that will see Beijing going after Chinese chemical companies that make the components used in fentanyl and curbing the flow of those Curbing, curbing the, the flow, Western not cutting it off, here. interestingly, yeah. huh? Yeah, you know, President Biden was asked about that yesterday after their meeting, uh, you know, Reporters were asking him, how are you going to make sure that uh, China makes good on this promise? And he said, you know, they asked, do you trust China? And he said, very strategically, he said, trust but verify. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, He did speak about how they were going to use uh, their law enforcement agencies to work together on this issue. But again, trust and verify. We'll see how that plays out, if they are able to really crack down on fentanyl, because the synthetic opioid trafficking at the U.S. southern border has uh, has been a very, very significant issue. Uh, it's led to a surge of U.S. overdose deaths, uh, and it's a, an issue especially for border states and overall for the 2024 U.S. election. The two leaders also agreeing to reestablish military-to-military communication, specifically to restore uh, communication among their senior military commanders. China cut off a military communication with the U.S. last year after former Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, and the U.S. has been determined to restore it, so they did make progress there. But speaking about global issues, the U.S. and China vowing to have their experts work together to focus on the risk and safety issues associated with artificial intelligence. They did not announce any deals on AI, but the U.S. did note 
the risks the uh, AI poses when used in the military or nuclear operations, with President Biden stressing the U.S. will not provide technology that can be used against America's military, seemingly referencing advanced semiconductors. And on those testier issues, President Biden trying to convince China to use its leverage with Russia and with Iran to keep both Russia's war on Ukraine and the Israel-Hamas war contained, asking China to relay to Iran not to exploit the Israel-Hamas war to escalate tensions. And uh, he did also, President Biden spoke about U.S. citizens detained in China, saying he gave Xi a list of names of individuals that the U.S. thinks are being held and officials hope to have them released, but saying so far there is no agreement on that, no movement there. And uh, the U.S. also stressed the importance of peace and stability in Taiwan, critical over China's massive military buildup around the island and asking it to respect the territory's electoral process. But again, no movement there. The Chinese president insisted the island was part of China. So very much at odds. But overall, both leaders uh, both have described the uh, discussions in a positive light. Uh, the nations realize, I think, they continue to gain from their economic integration. And while they disagree on a slew of issues, uh, it seems both realize how hard it would be to fully replace one another with U.S. officials saying repeatedly they have no interest in decoupling economies. So uh, was there any conversation about the uh, newfound love affair going on with Russia? I mean, not that they have to tell us everything they talked about, but was there anyone talking about that? So they did They did say that they wanted, uh, you know, more transparency, I think, was the, the term they used. Uh, President Biden essentially asked his Chinese counterpart to use Beijing's influence with Russia and with Iran to help make sure Russia's war on Ukraine and the Israel-Hamas conflict in the Middle East don't widen in the regions. But as far as, you know, that delicate topic about, uh, what Chinese, uh, you know, uh, military institutes or, you know, any of their private sectors are what they're doing in ties with Russia. Not so much out of that. Again, those are the types of issues where they kind of lean in on it, but then nothing really moves forward. I don't think those are the those are the topics that they're uh, proud of the U.S. I would say that the U.S. is not, uh, you know, announcing and, and uh, you know, moving forward on that in regards to China. But we'll see. I mean, again, uh, trust and verify with this uh, newfound kind of restoring of military communication and uh, and just shoring up ties. So I have been told that the planned meeting at dinner, the planned dinner meeting of last night, that she was supposed to be a part of, he skipped that and had dinner with a number of people, including Elon Musk. Can you tell us who else was at that <laughs> dinner that he decided to have dinner with them instead of you the know, other leaders? I'd like to be a fly on the wall in, in that uh, conversation, right? So I would say, as far as Elon Musk, he's a very interesting character, but I think overall the concerns about AI, it's, it keeps going back to that. I think that we have seen that over the, the discussion about AI, not just in during this convention, but this summit, but the past year, uh, you know, I would have loved to be in a room with, uh, with, you know, uh, or to be a fly on the wall in various meetings, but the U S has, has escalated a tech battle by cutting China off from artificial intelligence chips. And that's significant. The Biden administration rolling out additional limits on sales of advanced semiconductors by American firms like NVIDIA and Intel 
adding to those restrictions issued last year, further limiting China's progress on supercomputing and creating models used for artificial intelligence. So very significant issue. So you did not hear of who else might have been at that dinner along with Elon Musk and Xi? Or was it just the two of them? I, I thought there were more people. You know, I, I don't have the full details on that. I don't. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, I would love to be a fly on the wall to, sure. uh, to know what's being said. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything else we need to know? Uh, I will say that after their meeting, um, you know, on a lighter note, uh, the Chinese president did suggest that more pandas are on the way to the U.S. So it <laughs> seems that there's some, uh, some more diplomacy there. Well, it was erroneously reported, frankly, and I love Fox because that's what I watch. I'm a believer. We use you on my show. But on Fox, they said things have gotten so bad they even took back the pandas. The reality <laughs> and fact is there was a contract and there was an end year, and they hit the end year. So it really had nothing to do with our relationship with China. So I'm not surprised he's offering more pandas. That'll make everyone happy, and uh, we'll move on from there. Appreciate your work, Kristen. Thanks much. Thank you. Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, as we continue on Focus with Paul W. Smith. All right, um... So we already know there's going to be no government shutdown. They came up with a deal. Now, why would we celebrate that? This is like the least of their jobs to make sure that the government continues to operate. And it's like a big deal now when they screw up so badly that every time this happens and we get down to the wire and they decide that they're going to fund the government, we all celebrate? Not me. Nope. I don't understand why they keep getting elected if they don't do their job. Meanwhile... Yesterday's front page, Detroit News, GM UAW ratification vote is at risk. Today's Detroit News front page, GM contract likely to be ratified. And one of the notes I just got said that it has been ratified. But we're going to check in with a senior editor, business, uh, and uh, certainly a great columnist uh, for sure for the Detroit News, uh, Daniel Howes. Good afternoon, Daniel. Good afternoon, Dove. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Have you heard that it's a done deal now officially? I mean, there's so many. I've never seen so many back and forth stories well, about ratification or no ratification. Well, that's because this is this is real time, and you're dealing with different plants with different populations in different cities, and when, and populations within those locals that have, you know, various beefs about the proposed contract. So you can't really generalize across. That's why we thought it was at risk, and it looked like it was trending that way. And then it got, and it started to improve. I would say within the last hour, we went up with a story. We were first at the Detroit News about 1040, saying that they had enough votes to ratify. Our understanding of the process is once the membership, a majority of the membership has spoken, it is considered ratified. Uh, our sources tell us there's nothing that they know of in the Constitution that means there has to be an additional meeting of the International Executive Board or the President has to declare it or anything like that. So I think we can assume at that point that General Motors is ratified. Ford is on its way, I think, to being ratified, as as is Stellantis, maybe by a slightly wider margin. But there are still some very large plants, particularly at Stellantis, that are yet to vote. Or their, their votes are yet to be counted, I should say. Well, for example, the 
the contract was winning, last check, 53%, not last check like this morning, but with 53% of members voting yes, according to a news analysis of the known totals, that was last evening. Um, here's what we know for sure. I, I mean, I, there's many things that we want to know. Here's what we, what we really know for sure is that there is absolutely no um, mandate here. This is not like some tidal wave of acceptance of this uh, this contract. Very much like there was no mandate or tidal wave of support putting Sean Fain into office. And also it might mean that some of the people who are trying to beatify Sean Fain and with the victory run, it, it may be premature. Beatify. I haven't heard you use that word. I thought That's I would excellent. use it because my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't think of the. I guess for sainthood, but it, sainthood, be, be exactly. that way, he's proven not to be a saint. And I think he would say he didn't want to be a saint per se. And at least I only know him through these things, where he started off on the wrong foot with me by saying the auto industry is the enemy, and then refusing to yeah, shake their yeah. hand, and then wanting to shake their hand after they're forced into blackballed and mailed into a deal that no one can live with. Uh, I just I hope that the auto executives uh, regain some uh, how, I don't, uh, intestinal fortitude. That's what I'll use instead of uh, what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. re regain some intestinal <laughs> fortitude and not pretend like – what's that? I said I think I know where you were going. I think everybody should by now if they're <laughs> listeners. But, Look, but I, I would I, say this. I yeah. would say this. The opposition – I think as a reflection of an interesting contradiction. For, for years since the meltdown, we've heard UAW members talking about how they want more equality in the contract. They wanted to get rid of tears. Temps weren't treated properly. And now what we find out is that a lot of the opposition in some of these major plants was coming from legacy workers, people 15, 20, 25 years of service, who were unhappy that the, the temps were being treated better and were going to be moving up their pay levels in a fairly short period of time. Uh -huh. and, that, and that they wanted to get bigger raises sooner, that 11% out of the box wasn't enough. It needed to be 15. It needed to be more. And kind of exposes, frankly, a lie, you know, solidarity for all. It sounds more like solidarity for me, but not for thee. <laughs> and uh, and that there was a little bit of tension back and forth. Ultimately, it seems to me, this contract, which is being touted as a record, and I think it probably will be or is, uh, is going to win. And it's going to prevail at all three companies and down the road we go. And then we're going to see what the next chapter brings. Well, i got to tell you, um, I just saw in our newspaper, the Detroit News, I'm certain that's where I saw it, pictures of the demolition of the old Kmart headquarters. This incredibly large campus that at one time was a vibrant Kmart world headquarters. Empty for years. Nobody needed that kind of space. Nobody ever will need that kind of space again with business the way it is. So they tore it down. And the next thing I thought of was that incredible facility in Auburn Hills that was the Chrysler World Headquarters. Now it's a Stellantis company 
I don't. They they don't call it the world headquarters. Are their world headquarters? Oh no, like it's in like the, the Netherlands. Re- re- regional headquarters. Yeah. All right, regional headquarters. And now I picture that to be the next sad, empty, historic, massive building in our area because nobody. There's not a company on the face of the planet that would step in there and pay what it should cost for that kind of square footage because nobody needs that kind of space. And Stellanis and Tavares certainly knows that, even used that when he was in the middle of negotiations saying, well, we're going to have to sell our headquarters to be able to pay for these things. He just, he just was looking for an excuse to get rid of it, and he doesn't need an excuse. Nor does he need an excuse to keep manufacturing in America if it gets to be too expensive. Well, that's true, but know this. This contract is going to force these companies to be looking for cost savings in other parts of the business. And one of the biggest cost savings areas, particularly coming after the pandemic, is going to be in real estate. And, you know, what that could mean to us. I mean, is there a situation where General Motors could revive a plan that it had in the early days of the bankruptcy to consolidate? Its headquarters is the Warren Technical Center and to leave Detroit. I mean, if you think about that, it was cataclysmic even during the bankruptcy. Is it possible today? It might be more possible. Um, there's going to be pressure on margins for these companies. Wall Street's already re- reacting negatively. Stocks are down. I worry, I worry for the suppliers uh, and all yep. the people that have worked hard and made an honest living with the suppliers no one's talking about them but i am i worry about them because these are good people and good companies and they don't deserve to be punished by what's going on here but i worry about the suppliers and you just brought up some good things too uh there's going to be consolidation there's going to be uh, they're going to do whatever they have to do because they're being forced to do it so that they can survive well, at least be a going concern. I don't know about survive, but certainly be something. It depends that's on it, I, you know what it can an investment capital. It comes down to what we mean by survival. I mean, I mean thrive. I mean be a good ongoing business. Uh, I mean serving all of the stakeholders. Uh, this all is of great concern, I think. And there you have Elon Musk meeting in probably a much more meaningful meeting with uh, China's Xi last night. And we wonder where that's going and what that's going to mean, but it'll well, give you lots. Know. It'll give you lots to write about, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Yeah, my friend. Daniel Howes, a senior editor uh, of business columnist extraordinaire, Detroit News, here on Focus with Paul W. Smith at WJR. All righty, uh, interesting story, I think a good one, and of course, Maria's at the heart of it. The city of Detroit's going to be getting more than 400 cameras on area highways in an effort to reduce crime. Uh, WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne taking a look at what is ahead for the project. Good afternoon, Marie. Hi, Paul. Some of these numbers are startling. The rate of freeway shootings is up three times what it was before the pandemic. Between 60 and 70 percent of cases don't result in a known suspect being caught because of the challenges of investigating a freeway crime. 
They happen at high rates of speed, which makes identifying witnesses and suspects very difficult. Also, witnesses are traveling at a high rate of speed. It's very difficult for them to describe what they saw. So starting in 2025, you can look for these cameras along 68 miles of freeways in the city. It'll include I-94, 96, 75, M10, and M8. The city receiving $30 million from a grant from the state to install the cameras, Part of that money will be used to maintain them. The cameras are going to be placed at 200 locations, two cameras installed in each spot. There will also be a network of license plate readers that capture plate and vehicle info, such as uh, automated alerts and wanted vehicles. So the police will be able to track that as well. The cameras, of course, will be in certain areas like interchanges, uh, city limits, the exit and entrance ramps to the freeways. By one estimate, there are at least two shootings every month in Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb County freeways since 2021. That's the bigger picture for the metro area. And Paul, some law enforcement experts believe that the uptick in the freeway shootings is due to the fact that there are many more security cameras in the city now and that that has pushed criminals to commit crimes and then escape on the freeways. Oh, interesting. So that whole green light effort has worked. It's worked, but it's only worked in keeping crime out of those areas. And crime hasn't gone away. It's just moved to other areas. It's it's one of the theories that um, I... I read about. Yep, one of the. Well, theories. I still like the uh, the whole green light thing, and I like this thing, the the freeway video feed system, uh, where we we talk of over fifty shootings taking place on average over the past three years, and the increase that you just told us about, Marie Osborne, and then anything we can do to assist officers in investigating crime anywhere, but it's especially here on the freeways, where they say between sixty and seventy percent of cases don't even result in a known suspect. And when you think about it, it's because it's happening at high rates of speed. It makes identifying witnesses and suspects difficult. And these cameras are going to change that. I'm just disappointed. I I have to get used to the fact that everything takes time. I was a little surprised when you said in 2025 we'll be benefiting from these cameras. Right. It, it Obviously, it'll take some time to get the cameras installed, make sure everything's working properly. So that's why it'll just take a little, uh, it'll take some time. And then the 200 locations, because they're putting two cameras at every location. I don't know if, if that's a backup camera or if it's pointed in another direction. I don't really know. Two different directions. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 200, cameras, uh, 200 cameras, two in each spot. And then you mentioned a network of license plate readers that capture the plate and vehicle information. That, and, and actually, they'll be able to have an automatic alert for wanted vehicles. Now, uh, uh, you know, a lot of places have used these uh, these license plate readers, cameras, to give people uh, tickets. That hasn't happened around here yet, I don't think. But, but you know, I've heard of people in other other cities, they get in the mail a, a, a ticket that shows shows a picture of their license plate and of them behind the wheel because they, they figured out quickly they couldn't say, well, here, your car went through the light. Yeah, well, I wasn't driving my car. I lent it to a cousin. Right, right, right. Well, uh, Ken, uh, the, one of the first times I ever saw Ken Brown do stand-up, he told the joke that he got a ticket in the mail 
and he opened it up and he said, you know, we, you know, we spotted your car and here's a picture of your car. He says, so I took a picture of a $20 bill and sent it back in. <laughs> I just. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's good. You know, Kenny Ken, Brown, Ken's stand good. up. Yep. 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 We got to, you know, he's got to let us know when he's going to be places so we can let everyone know and we can all show up. Sure, sure. Yeah, but so he was good. That was funny. Do you you and John still have a dog? We do. Beatrix, yes. Oh, okay. So uh, Rieger no longer has a dog. It was his mom's dog, Daisy. Danielle has a dog unbelievably it, it's named the same as my my brother mark and and sister bernie mark and bernie had a dog named zuki and oh. danielle's dog named zuki but the the list of most popular dog names came out and i know beatrix is not on it i mean let's no, face we it, know that that's yeah. <laughs> a very special name for a very special home uh but an online marketplace for pet owners released its annual list of the most popular pet names. And Charlie and Luna topped the list for best uh, male and female dog names. Would you have guessed either one of those? I, I wanted to name Beatrix Luna, and John said no. So well, You would have been with the crowd if you went with yeah, Luna. Yeah, I would have been with the crowd. <laughs> the rest of the top ten male dog names, Rover's 11th annual most popular pet names report, the male dogs, Max, Cooper, Milo, Buddy, Reddy, Rocky, Bear, Leo, and Duke. Uh, the company said Max was knocked to the number two spot after 10 years as top dog. I'll give you the female dogs' names when we come back from the news. Thanks, Marie. I'll get to the dog names, but uh, unfinished business here on this uh, beautiful afternoon. Uh, that I asked uh, questions about the dinner. Who was at that dinner? I suspect... Uh, well, I hope that somebody looked it up, but I know Kim did, and she said at the dinner with she, it was apparently a hot ticket for CEOs of America's most prominent companies, a chance to rub elbows with high-ranking government ministers of a country that did nearly $760 billion worth of trade with the United States. It was hosted by the U.S.-China Business Council and the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, the dinner followed Xi's day-long summit with President Joe Biden, and then the, Xi skipped the dinner that was planned for the night. Apple CEO Tim Cook, Tesla chief Elon Musk, Blackstone, Blackstone runs the country and the world, Blackstone's Steve Schwartzman were among the guests last night at the reception and dinner in San Francisco. So Apple, Tesla, and Blackstone. You may as well just say Blackstone because Blackstone owns most of these other companies or has a big stake in them. Um, apparently, Cook was seated right next to the Chinese Minister of Commerce. So there you have it. Thank you, Kim, for looking that uh, up and giving me that information because I just wondered who went to that dinner. And Fox didn't know, and uh, now we can tell them uh, all of that. Uh, let's see. Um Boy, I had a great note from Dick Hafner, but it's a long one, so I'm going to have to read that first so I get it right. Now, we were talking about most popular dog names, and uh, Dave Rieger, our producer, really, he entered his mom's dog, who's in doggy heaven now, Daisy. Um, Murray Osborne and John have Beatrix, which I'm not surprised, very special. And then Danielle said uh, Zuki, and I went, Zuki, that's my brother mark and bernie 
had Zuki. But as I think about it, the dog was actually called Kalamazoo because they both went to and met at Western Michigan. So they called their dog Kalamazoo, but it ended up being called Zuki. So, Danielle, was Zuki the name, or was that short for something? Um, it, uh, Zuki is his name. It's not short for anything. I think it comes from an anime character. I'm not really sure it was my ex's dog, so now <laughs> I have him. But I think it has something to do with anime or something. <laughs> Your ex's dog. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and, 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 so you got the dog, and he got out? Uh, yep, pretty much. <sighs> I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know that. I'm very sorry. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It was like four years ago. Okay. Here's the uh, here are the the top most popular pet names, Charlie and Luna, which actually uh, Marie Osborne said she wanted to name Beatrix Luna, but John didn't like that, so they didn't. And I said the top ten male dog names on this list. This is Rover's 11th annual most popular pet names report. So, Max, Cooper, Milo, Buddy, Reddy, Rocky, Bear, Leo, and Duke. The company said Max was knocked to the number two spot after 10 years. Max was, for 10 years, the top dog name for male dogs. The rest of the top 10 names for female dogs were Bella, Daisy, Lucy, Lily, Lola, Zoe, Sadie, Stella, and Bailey. I always feel bad for anybody who has any humans that have one of these names. And forever they'll know that their name is one of the top dog names. I'm sure it's bothering me more than it's bothering them. Because I let little things bother me and I know I shouldn't. The top male cat names for the year. Anyone want to take a guess? Simba. Simba's a good one. Mm-hmm. Let me see if Simba's on the list. Yes, it is on the list, but it is not the top. Oh. Rieger, any guesses? Rieger doesn't care about cats. Uh, you're right. I, I, I'm not a fan of cats <laughs> at all. So How do I know that? Cats, okay. are, cats are evil. Sorry. <laughs> they do say that oftentimes when a cat is staring at you, they're thinking of ways to take you out. Yeah, yeah. Cats, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, scary. yes. Cats. I know cat lovers don't believe that, but that's what that's what they say, I really yeah. hope a matter of not, fact. I really hope that's not a thing. My cat likes to sit on my chest and stare at me in the eyes. Well, uh, I'm not going to tell you that that's, look, that's just what we've heard. So what can I tell you? All right. The most popular, the top male cat names for the year, Oliver Milo. Leo, Charlie, Loki, Max, there's your Simba, Jack, Ollie, and Jasper. Did that seem like a lot of names? It seemed like, it seemed like a lot of names. So, again, the top male cat names for the year, Oliver, Milo, Leo, Charlie, Loki, Max, Simba, Jack, Ollie, and Jasper. The top names for female felines Luna makes it again. Luna was uh, there for the dogs, wasn't it? Maybe not. No, it was. Luna was there. Yeah, Charlie and Luna were the top. Okay. So for the female felines, Luna, Bella, Lily, Lucy, Nala, Callie, Kitty, Cleo, Willow, and Stella. There you go. That's it. If you were wondering, you now know. If you weren't wondering, you have a little bit of information, infotainment to use 
uh, next time uh, you uh, gather. Any uh, is there any word on if the uh, the GM contract has been indeed ratified? Uh, have you seen that uh, anywhere, did, Dave Rieger? I did get something on my phone that did say that said it was. So I'm going to look at it right now because yeah, I got I I had to turn my phone off. It just keeps every time Donald Trump gets uh, indicted again. It, there's an alarm that goes off, and mm-hmm. uh, it just won't stop. But anyway, it says uh, here. Uh, Majority of UAW workers approved the deal with GM, and that was uh, that was earlier. I don't know if there's been an update to it yet, though. I think that's I think that's what we saw. I think that's there. Yeah. I think that's it's 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 a done deal. It's by no means a mandate, but nor was his election for Mr. Fain a mandate. There was so few people involved in in his uh, winning re-election and and the things that the people were concerned about i i kind of understood when i saw that um new workers were going to get uh, into the top scale of pay way way before these people who are working and have worked there for years have gotten it you know you, you can't please everybody we know that for sure and they certainly aren't going to please everybody and uh, as time goes on i think we'll have pleased even fewer with what has happened in these negotiations. But that's just another story waiting to happen. Uh, Here's something, a couple of things. First of all, we will all have to dig deeper into our wallets to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal with friends and family if we're lucky enough to do that. Now for the third consecutive year, the prices are up. Prices for Thanksgiving staples up across the board. Ham is up 5.2% from last year, a near all-time high. Canned cranberries up 60%. Canned pumpkin up 30%. Russet potatoes up 14%. Canned green beans up 9%. Sweet potatoes up 4%. Beer up 5.3%. And wine up 1.2%. These prices are on top of the 20% increase for the cost of a Thanksgiving meal last year and 14% increase the year before. Now, with that thought in mind, knowing that the prices have gone up. There are some people who are just not going to be able to have a Thanksgiving dinner without our help. Your opportunity to help WJR and the Chalani Family Foundation providing half a million meals to local deserving families this holiday season. WJR's Hunger Free in the D is accepting your generous donations right now when you text HUNGER to 800 859 0959. You text hunger to 800 859 We started this, I'm happy to say, I was right there in the beginning with the Chelanis uh, uh, 10 years ago. And we'll have our 10th annual Hunger Free in the D broadcast this coming Monday. We hope you can join us uh, on air and in person. In fact, we'll be there from the morning, 6 o'clock, like we used to do it right through 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I hope you'll be tuned in. And when you donate today, the Chelani Family Foundation will match your donation, turning every dollar into two. You give 5 bucks, it's worth 10. You give 20 bucks, it's worth 40. You get the idea. 100 bucks is worth 200. The Chelani Family Foundation uh, kicking in up to $200,000, and the money goes directly to Gleaner's Food Bank and the Capuchin Soup Kitchen. Please text now, HUNGER, to 800-859-0WJR. Text HUNGER to 800-859-0WJR.
are. We continue in focus. Well, sun is out. It's a it's a, a beautiful uh, Thursday, November sixteenth, heading into a holiday soon. Very exciting. I think virtually everybody likes Thanksgiving, uh, other than the vegans. But there, there's plenty of uh, vegan Thanksgiving things to feast on as well. It's the it's the thought of the whole deal. Uh, we also are hearing more and more, like we just talked about. Uh, are hunger-free in the D. There are more and more people doing great things around the holidays to help other people. And uh, Eric Preco is Director Customer Experience at Delta Airlines uh, at the Metro Airport. We have a special relationship with Delta Airlines going all the way back to Northwest when I was asked to break ground for the whole, the whole new McNamara Terminal. I was the Master of Ceremonies for that for Richard Anderson. And I just have had a feeling and a closeness to uh, Northwest. Then it became Delta, and I, it continues to this day with a relationship with Ed Bastian and and uh, it, heck Denise Daniel, who helps me so often, and uh, and Nick DeMarco, who has helped us tremendously, as Delta has been the uh, the giver of the best prizes ever in a golf tournament, which they've done for the Paul W. Smith Golf Classic, which we've got another one coming up this next year. Uh, we thought about saying it was over at 20 years, but I think we've got one more good one in us. But we'll see. We've got more coming. But uh, Eric Preco, as a director of customer experience at Delta Airlines, is getting involved in something very, very special tonight. Covenant House's uh, 10th annual sleep out. you know what you're getting into, Eric? Well, ho- hello, Paul. Thank you for having me on your, your show. And... Of course I do, but every year is a little different, and this is my seventh year oh uh, sleeping out, and so I, I absolutely know what I'm jumping into, and and to your point, there's a lot of great people jumping in with me uh, to sleep out this evening. Over 120 sleepers uh, participating tonight in the Detroit Sleep Out for Covenant House. My listeners, well, at least my listeners of the morning knew all about this because we always did this story, and of course now for this, the afternoon crowd uh, the 10th annual is amazing. Area business leaders uh, bringing awareness and support for the estimated 17,000 youth across Michigan experiencing homelessness. So these very good and important business people like Eric Preco of Delta are indeed going to find out what it's like to be homeless and to sleep outside tonight. And wouldn't you know, We've been having nothing but good good weather and mild weather. Is tonight the night the temperature dives, or did you miss that? Is that tomorrow night? It, it does. You know, we're enjoying the 60-degree the weather right now. Uh, it looks like it's going to dip around uh, after midnight, uh, but dipping down to the low 50s, I, I, I am fine with it. I've slept out when it's low 30s and, and snowing. So, um, But, of course, uh, you know, that's not the point. We... You know, the point, of course, is to sleep in solidarity uh, together for the youth. And uh, lots of times, uh, uh, you know, I do remember the weather and the cold and the, the concrete, and we, we sleep in a box. Uh, but what I really are the lasting memories are the interactions that we have with the youth and talking to the youth who have such strong stories of resilience and unfortunate circumstances and knowing that uh, us sleeping out and raising funds, we want to, to our goal is over 450,000 
to raise, and we're, we're on our way. Um, but to hear those stories, and it inspires me and, and everyone that sleeps out, and that's why uh, I keep coming back to, to sleep out and support Covenant House, which is a, a great organization. And I am very fortunate uh, to work for a company that is heavily involved uh, in the communities that we serve, where the employees live and work. And so I'm, I'm humbled to, to sleep out tonight. You work for a great company, and um, there are some great other great companies involved, Accenture, Cisco, um, the local teams, and that's kind of the national teams because it's being done in 17 other cities, but AAA, the Auto Club Group, Team Lecker Slaughter, Deloitte, Detroit Allies, uh, Team Cast, First Independent Bank, Team Impact, Board of Directors, Associate Board, Covenant House Leadership Team. They're, they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're staying outside tonight as well. And you're going to go out there. You'll all be together from 6 p.m. Um, till uh, Friday tomorrow uh, at 6 a.m. Uh, at Covenant House uh, there on Martin Luther King Boulevard. If you want to donate, and I hope that you will, it's easy to do uh, to donate or even at this point still participate in the Sleepout. You go to sleepout.org slash event slash Michigan. Sleepout dot org slash event slash michigan now you belong you you started if i'm not mistaken you started when it was northwest airlines in 1999 right yes i did yeah i'm in my 20 25th year oh wow good for you so seems like yesterday well that's good that means you love your work i know what that's like um and you have a bachelor of science degree from central michigan and a master of science degree from msu You've got three children. I, are they? Do they? You've been doing this now for a number of years. Have you? Have they looked at you and said, "Dad, what are you doing?" Or have they said, "Dad, can I come?" Yeah, actually, uh, they do say that. And then you know, when we get closer and closer, they're like, "Ah, I don't know <laughs> if I can, I'm going to do it." But I think my my daughter, who's 14. Uh, I think next year uh, she's going to be uh, planning the trip with me and, and sleeping out. Oh, that's great. And, you know, what a lesson your children are learning, and all of our children need to learn the lesson of giving back, knowing that there are people who are not nearly as fortunate as we are. And to get that kind of philanthropic spirit as a young person, it will stay with them and bring them joy for the rest of their lives. So I salute you, Eric Preco, Director, Customer Experience at Delta Airlines, Uh, our official airline of the Paul W. Smith Show, and to all of the people involved in Covenant House Michigan's 10th annual sleepout happening tonight. God bless you, Eric. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure as we continue in focus on WJR. Well, I want to give you a chance here while we wait for Evan Brown to uh, check in, and that is if you're caller 9, number 9, number 9, caller 9, at 1-800-859-0957, 1-800-859-0WJR, to win a pair of tickets to the evening performance of A Christmas Carol this Saturday, November 18th, at Meadowbrook Theater, everyone's favorite holiday classic, back for its 41st year. 40, the 41st year at Meadowbrook. And it starts tomorrow and runs through December 24th. This beloved production captivates audiences with the tale of a mean-spirited miser and the ghosts that haunt him.
Official rules at WJR.com. Tickets available for purchase at MBTheater.com. Get that MB, Meadowbrook, MBTheater.com. But right now, caller 9 at 1-800-859-0957. 1-800-859-0WJR. We have a pair of tickets with your name on it for the evening performance of A Christmas Carol this Saturday, November 18th at Meadowbrook Theater. And I... I don't know how we get your name ahead of time, but they, they say the tickets, they have your name on them. That's what they say. It's like when Ernie Harwell used to spot somebody in the crowd at Tiger Stadium and say, Jerry from Monroe won that, uh, got that pitch, caught that foul ball. And people would ask me, how does he know? And I just tell him the truth. He has a very big seating chart. Evan Brown is here, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor. Fox on Tech YouTube creators will soon have to disclose use of a Gen AI in videos or risk suspension. We're all ears, Evan. Tell us what's going on. So generative AI is the type of AI programs that can be used to create things such as videos or photos or sound, whatever. Uh, and could even be used to um, uh, to make it sound or look as if it's really someone, let's say, a celebrity for that matter. Uh, and YouTube has, has been just one of these platforms that's trying to get ahead of the curve to uh, prevent people from abusing this type of technology. There's already this stuff out there um, from the, you know, perhaps the mundane to the more drastic where uh, people's images are being used to create things like endorsements. Uh, materials like a commercial or something online but there are also people who are uh, having images used to make things uh, like adult content that they actually didn't make Uh, and and so they call they like to call this stuff deep fakes so YouTube is now uh, starting a policy it'll come into effect next year which isn't that far off where if you are uploading videos that have generative AI material in it you have to disclose it so that YouTube can disclose it to viewers if you don't do that, you risk some kind of, of punishment. You could be demonetized or uh, uh, you could be banned from the platform. You could have the videos struck from the platform uh, and, and the like. Uh, and so uh, will this actually prevent people from using deep fakery to, uh, to try to influence others? Probably not, but this is at least a start, I think. You know, I, I don't use Facebook or uh, YouTube, and I feel bad for people asking for me to be their friend, and then I run into them, they say, I asked to be your friend, and you didn't let me. I, I don't use <laughs> Facebook and YouTube. I yeah. sometimes see things that just pop up on either my my email or my Instagram. I do use Instagram. It's simple. I haven't heard the Chinese are controlling it or stealing information. I don't know. But I see on Instagram these ridiculous videos that are made obviously by generative AI where they mispronounce commonly known words. Right. I I don't know how they do that, but they mispronounce commonly word or they have mangled human hands with everything this generative AI can do. They can't get the human hand right. But it's only a matter of time before they improve it. So you're right. You're right. So it it really is kind of, uh, kind of scary. For instance, someone Uh, could actually, by listening to your radio program, listening to our conversation, 
uh, could come up with a clone of your voice and and begin to have the have it used for advertisements. Well, you get, I mean, part of what you do is is advertise. It's part of your job, and there's there's a whole economy based around that. They're stealing from you if they do that, right? Aren't they? And, and, and so th- are that, the laws one, are the yeah, laws I mean, have the laws caught up with the technology? Not entirely, no. Uh, but but the, the there's laws. But if you have a problem enforcing those laws. You don't really have much of a law, do you? So when yeah. it's someone in sitting in Eastern Europe or or Asia that's that's creating the fake Paul W to push, uh, you know, uh, crappily made co- uh, you know materials or products that are sold online, um, you may not have much recourse. Now that's one aspect. What happens if they take a, an image of someone's kid and they make pornography out of it? Oh my God. This is, uh, this is already happening. This is already happening. So uh, the, the law is having to catch up with it. I mean, that goes without saying. But then there's the enforcement. You have to catch these people. You have yeah. to try them. Yeah. You have to put them away in prison. Well, good luck doing that when it's some ragtag country on the other side of the world that has no interest in helping you. I wonder if uh, President Biden mentioned this to uh, Premier Xi. Because so much well, of it comes from China, probably he, not. He huh? didn't even mention much of this. He did not bring up the TikTok issue, which, if you've heard this morning, is a, is a whole other problem, as there are videos that are being pushed by TikTok's algorithm, and they purport to be from you know young folks, teenagers, early twenties, who say, "Well, gee, I didn't know Osama bin Laden had a, a letter to America after 9/11, and you know, I, I I never saw that before, and I got to reading it, and, well, I kind of agree with him. Oh, my God. You know, yeah, these that, kids, especially in college, where the college professors, where the college professors we used to depend on to straighten out the story, those guys are as screwed up as anybody in the country, yeah, well, which keep, is why keep we're... Your children, keep your children off TikTok. Well, no one will do that, and we've been... I, t- I dumped TikTok as soon as I learned of all these things a long time ago, I, and if, I still if you're, paying, if you're paying for your kid's phone, I think you have a say. That's a good point there, you know. I, I was just thinking about when you were talking about taking people. They, they're they using a, one of the most protected brands I've ever known, Tiger Woods. On Instagram, yeah. I see Tiger Woods giving away golf clubs, and I know it's not Tiger Woods doing of that. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I just can't believe it can run more than once before they come down hard with a hammer. But I, you, like you said, if it's somebody off in... China or some other place, it's hard to enforce. Good story, Eben. I appreciate your work always. Thanks much. You got it. Take care. Eben Brown, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, here in Focus. We close out the show with an old pal that we've talked to over the years on our various shows. Uh, He's got a tremendous amount of uh, experience in a lot of areas. Just quickly, Michigan State Superintendent of Schools. He was state mental health director. President and CEO of the largest community health services organization, Detroit Wayne Integrated Health Network. Going back to uh, Deputy Chief of Staff to Governor Blanchard in his first year of office. Heck, he was even President and CEO of the Economic Council of Palm Beach County, Florida. But why we're speaking to him now and generally why we speak to him, it's about China, all things China. He's had a lifelong interest in China. He's traveled there extensively. He's worked and written hundreds of articles about this most vital and important bilateral relationship over the last four decades. He is Tom Watson. Tom, I depend on you. I don't always agree with you. I think you are extremely optimistic in the chances for a good, positive relationship for these United States with China. 
That aside, how do you think, first of all, hello, and how do you think this uh, whole meeting yesterday went? Well, Paul W., it's great to be with you, and I don't have to set an alarm to talk to you. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) It has been great to talk to you over the years. As my first boss told me, if we both agreed on everything, one of us wouldn't be necessary. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, the meeting yesterday, in some ways, you could write it off as a whole lot of talk and not much action. But talking is important, and I think 8 billion people that occupy this planet had a sigh of relief yesterday that this relationship seems to be back on track, that we are going to have some conversations. Look, China and the U.S. are, geopolit- are in a geopolitical tug of war over who will control the future, whether it's economically, technologically, ideologically, and militarily. And so we have to find ways to get along with one-fifth of all humanity. And and what I saw yesterday is two leaders emphasizing the need for mutual respect, peaceful coexistence, maintaining communication, and uh, to avoid conflict. It kind of reminded me, in a way, of old Henry Ford when he said, coming together is a beginning, staying together is progress, and working together is success. And we need our two leaders to bring success to people of China, the people of the United States, and for that matter, all of humanity. So yesterday was a good day, um, but what's important is what happens going forward. You've made it very clear to us over the years. Tom Watkins with us, a true expert on China, on China business and education. You always would say to us, uh, ignoring China would be at our own peril. But finding ways in which both nations can, with trust, maintain their national interests in a way that lifts all boats is no small feat. No, it isn't. And, you know, what I've been advocating for well over a decade is kind of what I call the seven C's, and that is solid communication, collaboration where we can, and cooperation where we can, uh, and, yes, competition and avoiding, working to avoid conflict and uh, confrontation and God forbid, an all-out hot war, um, because that would be pure hell for for all of us uh, if we go down that, that, that lane. Clearly, there's differences in governance, ideology, uh, the way that we see this world. Um, but China's not going anywhere anytime soon, and neither are we. So finding a way to work with them. And even last year, Paul, I view, and when China's economy is down and we're moving away from them, we did... Uh, billions of dollars worth of, of business with the People's Republic of China. Yeah, people Good who say, you know, there are a lot of people who talk about not wanting to do business with China, but believe me, the United States is doing a tremendous amount of business with China, and, uh, and yeah, we'll totally. talk more about that in the days ahead. Always a pleasure, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Great to be with you. Thank you, Paul W. Noon to 2, if you can't join us noon to 2, get us at thegreatvoice.com for the podcast, thegreatvoice.com. Of course, standing by for news, and then J.R. Afternoon, the one and only Mr. Chris Renwick. I want you to go on out and make it a great rest of the day on your way to making each and every day count. Each day is a gift. Regards, Paul W. Smith.